the Lions could use somebody with an edge. I feel we talk about the Lions at some point. That's fine. Yeah, so. All right. All right. Welcome, everybody. Episode 31 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. That's Shane Battier's number. Good for Shane Battier. Still should have went to Michigan. Anyway. Wasn't it Reggie Miller's, too? Yeah. Yeah. We should have done that so long. <laughs> we should have done that. Let's do, let's do it really quick. We can do it. Number one. <clears throat> what? what? Episode number one. Where would you go with Chauncey? Sports number. Jesus Christ. Put me on the spot here. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go right through 30. You got to be fast. Oh, Jesus. I ain't going to be fast. It's not going to be Lindsey Hunter. Shoot the three with Lindsey. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Chauncey. Number two. Charles Woodson. That's, of course. I mean, that's, that's an easy it. one, right? Number three. Alan Trammell. Yeah, mm. easily. Number four, probably Jody D. Yeah, Jody. You feel good about that? You feel good about that? Oh, yeah. He's in there after. Number five? It's Jalen. Is it, or is it Lindstrom? Mm. Jalen. That's going to be a tough one. That that one could actually be one of our most argued about things. I, number yeah. four could be Chris, Chris Weber. Number mm-hmm. four. So, versus Jody Moore. Yeah, I mean, that was a really good one, too. Both are good. Number six? This is somebody, I thought was, we just had somebody who was a fan. This was number six. I can't think of anyway. Number six. I keep yeah. wanting to go back to the old classic Yankees in the single digits. Yeah, I'll pay my. Yeah, I wasn't sure what his number was. Yeah. Yeah. I knew there's an easy number yeah. six. Number seven. Let's see, Pistons. I can't think of anybody. I can't Pistons. think of a seven for the Pistons. I can't think of the Tigers. I can't think of anything on the. I'm sure there was some washed up quarterback from the Lions that wore seven at some point. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Oh, seven, an empty slot. We'll have to come back to it. There's got to be a red wing with a decent well, I'm sure if we really thought about this and put more time in it. Yeah. No, it's fun this way, though. Number no, eight. No, it's not. I can't think of people. On spot number eight. Well, the, the how you do it, though, is if you know if you think about it right away. Then you know it's right because it's just like boom, it just becomes easy. Right. I think once you got into the teens, it would be easier. Eight. I think the only one I can remember for number eight for me was one of my favorite players when I was younger was Ron LaFleur from the Tigers, the center hmm. fielder who I think there's a pretty good red wing number eight. I just can't think. I'm sure there is. Nine's how, so that's an that's easy, an easy one. Number yeah. ten. That would be fun. Dennis Rodman. Or you go with Tom Brady Rodman. The angst in your face lets me know everything I need to know there. Number 11 will be easy. Well, it's Zeke, yeah. of course. Um, number 12. That's Brady with the Patriots. Yeah. Which has kind of been a de facto number for people that live in the state right. of Michigan. Number 13. Um, that was, uh, what's Majority? Just retired. Dad suit. Yeah. Pavel. 14. Brandon Shanahan. Uh, I don't think there was a Lions player with 14. Might have been, might have been a Pistons player with fourteen, but nobody good that I can think of. No, Finis Dembo. What his number was? Yeah. Thirty-five, I think. Finis Dembo was. For some reason, I know that. <laughs> Probably because it was that team. Uh, fifteen. Ooh, fifteen's a good number. Golden Tate's the only one I can think of right now. Golden Tate. Well, number fifteen was the microwave for the Pistons. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he would trump Golden Tate. So. Double seven. Sixteen. Was that Constantinov? I think was so. Was that yeah. Constantinov? I believe it was. And that's just like a 
special number. Yeah, I think that number should be retired. I mean, if the guy stuck around, he was going to be up in the rafters anyway. Seventeen. Yeah, I can't think of anyone the Pistons. Oh, 17 might be the MPJ number as well. I think Hall or Madonna wore it with the Red Wings at one point. But 18. I don't 19 is easy. That's Stevie Y. Yeah. 20. It's Barry Sanders. Sanders. Easy. 21. Billy Sims. <laughs> yeah. 21. Twenty hour. No, he was 25. Yeah. So it was Ray Jackson was 21. Yeah. Uh, Red Wings. There was a defenseman that was number 21. What's Chelly? Toyota's 24. Uh, yeah. Well, 22. Was Dino Cicerelli 22? I think he might have been. I'm not sure. I know John Sally for the Pistons was 22 for a little bit. Uh, 23. That's that's the number. I mean, we could go on and on about who's worn yeah. twenty three. You know, I'm not. I can't put my finger on who from Michigan, but I mean that that's the number of this generation. It's yeah. Mike. Yeah, twenty four. Yeah. You only got six, seven more. You can do this. No, I can't. <laughs> You're doing a good job. I'm proud of you so far. I know you had to like when I spring things on you. I hate it. Twenty four is. Jimmy King. Yeah, well, that is true. Oh, I think it's Jeff Gordon, but I hear 24. <laughs> yeah, 25? One hour. Yeah. yeah. Gotta get the fat five in there. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate what you did there. Uh, I can't think of anybody running at the Pistons. Uh, I think Mark Marco Aguero was 23 or 25. But, but nothing that would make me like, wow, we have to stop what we're doing and give him that hour. Yeah. <laughs> Tigers? I can't think of the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, so we're at like 26. Can't think of anything. That one seems like there should be, but. Yeah, and then there might be a red wing there at 26. 27, I can't think of anyone right off the top of my head. 28, I'm blowing through. 20, was Maglio? I can't remember. I'm trying to picture his home run now, but. Maglio might have been 28. 29, I can't think of anybody of 29. 30. I totally rattled you right now. I can sell it. I like it. That wasn't Lane Beer. I think Lane Beer was 44. 40. 40. Was 44. Had the zero part, right? Yeah. Well, we'll get going. So why don't you go ahead and finish your intro? <laughs> I'm flustered now. I don't think I'll I I started with three. I think I like it, though. I'm going to spell the email address wrong. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hot take from the kitchen at gmail.com. That is H O T T A K E F R O M T H E K I T C H E N at gmail.com. And our guest tonight is Steve Schulwitz. Yep. From the Alpina News. Hello. To join us. So don't be afraid when you hear his voice earlier. He is a guest. So, all right. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. Oh, for the hot takes, since we had so many topics. We just pick one. That's the beauty of the hot takes. You shot down the three I sent. Well, you could send them. I mean, I didn't say it. I just, I think they're good. When I'm going through this thing, I found some now. All right. First one, 
NASA named a couple of new constellations after the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, and Godzilla. And this was based on gamma rays. So it's constellations somewhere out in a distant galaxy that they found with gamma rays. So they named the constellations after the Hulk and Godzilla, who were both created with gamma rays. Hmm. Yeah. So what's your hot take on that? I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> People didn't like it because they thought, well, oh, it's stars. They shouldn't be named. You know, I'm just wondering about their population after Thanos's, uh, Thanos's uh, snap there. They all disappeared. All right. Oh, my God. 30s tough, boys. Anyways. Uh, the world's longest sea bridge is finally about to open. This is... The bridge that's connecting Hong Kong and Macau with main island China. And it's 34 miles long. It was supposed to open in 2016, but delays and all that pushed it back to 2018. It's kind of a technical marvel, I guess. A new Are you allowed pedestrians on it? That's my first question. I don't know about pedestrians, but you can drive because there's a Four mile stretch that's under the water. Oh wow! Well, I figured you could drive. What's the point of having a bridge? Yeah. So to look pretty. Yeah. Um, my hot take is: is I want to visit Allison with the Allison Hayes crossing the Mackinac Bridge, and whether that's four miles roughly, something like that. Five. Yeah. So I can only imagine a thirty-four mile bridge. <laughs> what we're doing. Well, I don't think it's a suspension bridge, but. So I don't think you have to worry about right. knowing so much. But yeah. And I guess we'll go into some sports topics. Why not? Uh, the first one is Ray Cruz got released, was released today. That's the big one, dude. Mm -hmm. Ray Ray. Yeah. So <laughs> I think he should have spent the rest of his life in jail, but that's just me. Well, technically, he didn't kill the person. He hired the hit crew. Um, it was still his plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or not. And of course, well, I don't know if you how well I just researched this today because I was really I was fascinated by it. So he actually petitioned the court for custody of his child once he got out of prison. So I mean, that's even more spectacular. So if he gets custody. There's a problem. Well, and he's not obviously <laughs> he's not going to. But uh, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we should talk. Ray Ruth used to be a safety. No, he was a receiver, receiver. receiver. Panthers. for the Carolina Panthers. Um, and his baby's mama, or yeah. his, his girlfriend. It was his girlfriend, because I know they weren't married. Um, was pregnant. And do we know if the baby had disabilities at the time that she was pregnant? No. It was, I think it was caused because okay, she had to deliver him premature. Right. So, yeah, the baby has Down syndrome. And, but anyways, he, he murdered the mother. Well, he hired somebody. He hired a killer, and then and he hid. My favorite thing about Rick is he hid, he hid in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, so that didn't. My work. hot take from it was: I can't believe it's been twenty years. Yeah, it just seems like six. You know, yeah. it just I remember him playing, and he, you know, he was an up and coming receiver at the time. Um, and just to think it's twenty years, it was just sort of like wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And then who was the Cincinnati receiver? That just passed away like 10 years ago. That jumped out of the moving truck to get away from his girlfriend. Oh, I don't remember. 
I remember the story. Yeah, he was another troubled individual. I remember that story. I remember thinking everybody was like, I can't believe he would jump out of a moving vehicle. Like, what was wrong with him? I was like, you've never been in an argument with your girlfriend then. <laughs> like a real argument. <laughs> I tell you right now, if you ever been in a real argument, you want to get away. Okay. <laughs> you really want to get away. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I guess. Amari Cooper was traded today from the Raiders to the Cowboys for a first round pick. So like in my weird world, my hot take is um, when I went back to school, I had um, so my friends from Alabama were huge Alabama fans. So obviously there's a Amari Cooper tie there. And my other good friends from school, um, Liz and her husband, um, Chad, they are huge Dallas Cowboy fans. So this was like the perfect merging of those two worlds for them. So, I think it's going to help my fantasy team because he sure hasn't been doing much with, with the Raiders, and I can't wait to be able to say Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I'm shocked that they got a first-round pick for him. Um, the last two years, he's been underwhelming. I mean, he came out and he had a, a really fantastic um, rookie season, but since then he's been sort of underwhelming. Um, some of that could be fallback on you know the quarterback car as well, but to be able to get a first-round pick – um, now Gruden's got three first round picks to play with that are probably going to be higher picks. So, uh, balls in his court. Well, I don't, the Cowboys pick, it's probably going to be mid, right? I don't know if it's going to be very high. Can you team, can you take two of those picks to trade up into the top five? That's oh. true though. hundred percent. And the other thing I thought about with Mark Cooper is when I was looking at it, I was surprised how small he was. I always thought Mark Cooper was a pretty good size receiver, you know, six, four, six, five. I just thought that's what he was, but he's six, one. And, that really, I, think I always figure six two and up right. is the point where if you're below six two, I feel like you should be really good at route running. You should be a slot receiver, yeah, and slot receiver. And Mari Cooper really isn't that, you know. And I'm not saying that he's not fast or he's not good. It just I was really surprised to read his height on that because mm-hmm. I always thought, you know, when he first came out as a rookie, he was a big receiver and made big plays, but. He isn't. I just I thought, I thought it was. I was really surprised with that. But he's definitely going to help the Cowboys. That's for certain. I think he's only twenty four. Yeah, he, he's young. So I mean, it, there's no reason he can't bounce back. Dallas needs him. Um, you know, they can't keep facing eight in the box to stop Zeke. So I think you know overall, it's it's a win win for both teams probably. Oh, hundred percent. I think it really helps Amari Cooper out too because he's going to face some. I mean, when you're stacking eight nine players in the box to stop Zeke. He's going to have a lot of opportunity to really be able to, you know, get some points and help himself out. He's got to get out of concussion protocol first. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bold move by the Cowboys right now. And, and he eventually will come out of a concussion protocol. I mean. You never know. Pat LaFontaine couldn't, so. You are. What is going on with you tonight? <laughs> you are a dark cloud of blue. <laughs> Why would you put that voodoo on someone? I'm not. I'm just saying. Can't just say, hey, yeah, he's going to get out of it. You never know. You never know. Just saying. Never know. Anyway, we'll move on. Well, if everyone listens, if you all would do me a favor, when Amari Cooper plays this Sunday with the Cowboys, message Brad and said, he's okay. <laughs> he might be seeing double, but he's okay. Yeah. Just saying all right, we've got a question this week. This whole thing is a cluster mess right now. But anyway, question is, what was the name of the, Al- of the Alpina native who led the way in ending 
prohibition in the United States? And we will give the answer next week. We didn't have a question last week. <clears throat> didn't have a question the past couple of weeks. Yeah, past couple of weeks, actually. Did we have, I haven't checked email. Did you check email? Mm, nothing before you got here. Cha-cha-cha-cha. Nothing. All right. So no mail, fan mail either. Oh. Awesome. So well, that brings up hot takes. <clears throat> Trivia's back. And then uh, that's about it. So we'll come back and we'll get talking to Steve. All right. Cheese. What's um, uh, we what actually worked, we while. actually worked together at one point, short period. I was a stringer at the news, and you were um, I think you were head of sports at that time when I was stringing. I think for a brief time. I don't think Very I ever ran into ran into you really quickly, but I know most of the time I was just there Friday night answering the phone and um, just writing up something short and sweet for Steve and handing it to him. And so I started. Yeah. So I started. You know, way back in the day, working, coming in, working. Uh, Girls and boys uh, basketball and some football. And at the time, I was uh, one of the managers at Ripley Car Wash. And I would get out of there, come to work at the news. And I had very little experience. I had basically zero journalism um, experience, to say the least. And uh, they stuck with me. And uh, it allowed me to uh, grow and learn until uh, they felt comfortable enough with me to uh, – Offer me a full-time job covering Alpena County. Yeah. That's awesome. So where are you from? Are you from northern Michigan? Yeah. I I was born in the Detroit area. Um, I was raised here. Um, lived in Florida. Lived in different parts of Detroit. But my heartstrings pulled me back here. And uh, I may become a snowbird someday, but I love northeastern Michigan. I love the people. I love the um, natural resources. and. Uh, the tightness of the community. So even though I may venture for a few months out of the year down the road, um, I will be back and I'll continue to come back until I can't do so any longer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you grew up, but you spent some time in Rogers City, right? Oh, yeah. I met my <laughs> wife up there. I lived up there for about 10 years, commuted back and forth, you know, to the paper and uh, great people. I've got a ton of family up there. Um, Moved back to the reason we moved back to Alpena is my wife got accepted into the nursing program at ACC, and to have two people back and forth and her clinicals being late at night sometimes we just thought it was the best move for our family at the time. And to be honest with you, I'm I'm thrilled to be back. We've been back about five years now, and uh, it's it's you know um, allowed me a chance to reconnect with people and meet new people. You know, thanks to my job and just. Uh, Sort of reinvent myself, actually, in sort of a way moving back. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so then, then you worked at the news, and then you st- started in stringing in sports, which which I don't think there's a lot of coaches that listen to us, but <laughs> if you're a coach, call in your scores, please, because it's a – Absolutely. <clears throat> it's a because tough. the parents and the grandparents want to see their name, their, kid, their, their children's names in the paper and see how they did. I think that's something that – one of the things I always remembered from that job was, you know, doing that and sitting there waiting and waiting. And you, you know the game's over. You know, it's 10, 1030. You know the game's over and you're sitting there just waiting. And, a lot of, you know, I understand that maybe you lost by 30. You don't want to have to 
calling in and giving me the highlights or the, you know, the 10 little tidbits or whatever you had. But um, there are the people in the town that really love that little, even if it's only two paragraphs of whatever it may be. People really look forward to that. People nice clip day. them out. Yeah. People clip My them mom out. clips out every little thing and it goes on the refrigerator for her grandkids. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those of you who are coaches and have been told to call in the news, just do it. People are it means a lot. So that's my public service announcement. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sure the sports guys appreciate it as well. So then you went from that. So then you became covering Alpena County. Well, I did for about a year. Um, I, I was covering Mount Renzi County. And it sort of, you know, gave me a chance to sort of get my, my feet wet into, you know, a daily routine of a full-time reporter and building up sources. And I covered, you know, some bigger court cases out there and, built up some relationships. And after about a year, year and a half, um, my publisher, Bill Spear, and my editor, Steve Merch, called me into the office. And the first thing I thought was, uh-oh. And uh, they had uh, thought enough of me, don't ask me how or why, to where they wanted me to cover Alpena County. And I remember I was really hesitant to do it because I was like, oh, that's the Alpena beat. And, you know, it's the biggest beat. And But I did. And it was definitely positively the best thing that I could have done. You know, I absolutely love my job and I learn something every day, you know, and I guess that being said, I hope through my work, I can teach somebody something every day. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I know <clears throat> when we first got started, you came by and interviewed us, which we really appreciated. Um, you know, and every little, I think that's probably has to be one of the little bonuses you're able to, I mean, of course, the news dictates probably what you cover sometimes, but you are able to pick and choose some neat little things that, you know, about our community and maybe focus on them or bring them to light. You know, that was sort of a human interest story. Human interest stories are very popular. You know, you can go to a million meetings and talk about budgets and assessments and audits and stuff like that. But people like to know what other people are doing around this community whether it's to take part, whether it's watch from afar, whether it's to donate and contribute to. So, you know, we, we try to, we try to get a mix of what we're doing. We don't want to be strictly meeting news. You know, obviously that's important. People need to know where their tax money's going and what their elected officials are doing and stuff like that. But yet, you know, it's important to tell the story of others mm -hmm. too, because what others are doing is definitely newsworthy. And at least that's what we believe at the paper. Right. Um, I guess we can talk about it because we're kind of in that realm. Um, I know that there's been some up and down ups and downs over the last year or so with the paper. And I know, yeah. I think that would be very difficult to um, do because there's that fine line of wanting to report the news and yet it being sensitive and people have feelings and there's emotions evolving, especially when we're such a, for the good and the bad, we're a close knit community. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess if you want to. You know, I guess the way I look at it is, you know, I do my best to put my personal feelings aside, my political beliefs aside. I'm going to give everybody their chance to tell me their story, to present their facts in which turn I will go and get the other side. Um, it's not up for me to tell somebody what to believe. It's up for me to present the facts and allow them to form their own opinions, our readers. Now, that being said, we're not perfect. Um, we make mistakes. 
Um, the writers can make mistakes and, you know, it could be just a number being off or the, the typical um, two, two and two, or just doing a typo or punctuation, but then there's bigger mistakes, you know, or it, from time to time, we'll, there'll be a mistake on a headline, which is unfortunately uh, sometimes can be very negative. Um, could be upsetting to the readers and other members of the public, you know, and, the unfortunate thing is, is that that happens, but also the reporter's bylines are right under those headlines. Mm -hmm. So people in the community who don't know the process of the paper, see the headline, see our names and assume that it's us who do the headlines, which is not the case, you know? So, I mean, we're always looking at ways to do better, to not make the mistakes, to review have many eyes on the paper as possible for, you know, before it goes to press. But the bottom line is, is things are going to slip through once in a while. And, you know, it's unfortunate when there's a big one um, because it does hurt the integrity of the paper and it makes us more determined, more determined to get it right, cut down on the mistakes and uh, regain that trust, you know, that maybe is being questioned among the community. <clears throat> I think what's what's tough is. At times, for mistakes versus what they feel maybe could be, whether it's malicious or whatever, you know, however mm -hmm. they feel, biased. I guess right. that's the best word. So, and for me, it's always, you know, my favorite thing that I've seen over, there's been two stories that I know the news has covered over the past two months. Um, one involved a person and a lot of people didn't like the, per it was the way it was being covered. And out of the the main thing that people were talking about is don't you guys have something better to do? Um, it's a personal situation. You don't have to bring that to light. And then about three weeks later, we had another situation where um, something happened to somebody that was unfortunate and people weren't very happy about the result of this thing. And people could probably figure out between the, the stories that I'm talking about. But the irony was, is the people that were all like, Hey, don't you guys have something better to do? Don't you have something better to cover? Were the first things like saying, "Hey, we need to post this on Facebook, talk about what a tragedy it is." So the people that were talking about, "Hey, don't you have something better to do?" and then filter through people's personal, you know, garbage, are the first ones to sit there. And I just always find the hypocrisy amazing. Part of both sides of their mouth. Well, mm -hmm. then, you know, I think it's. I find that always difficult because they're the first ones to often point out when, some, when something they feel is unfair, but yet you know, to get it out there for the masses to see. Yeah, you know, I, and I that bring, you know that brings up something that's really important is if we, there's certain things you know, and as reporters or editors or publishers, we don't like doing stories that could be painful or embarrassing for people. We just don't. Um, however, we are a conduit to the community. And the point I'm going to make here is if we don't do those stories, we're going to have the same people or others come forward and say, why are you sweeping this under the rug? And it's very easy to get caught up into that with today's fake news. And I had to put that in quotation marks here because so much is made of fake news, you know, and I, I, I honestly believe I don't think there's anybody in Alpena that watches more news than I do, and not just one specific channel. I'll I'll hit every channel, every source that I can, you know. And I can see where fake news comes from because 
the big three news networks, they bring on that criticism themselves because you can watch a speech by somebody, anybody, and they will edit it down to a five-second snippet clip and not have any pretext from what was said before or what was said after. And then you see these snippets going on social media, Twitter, all that shared hundreds of thousands of times. And people that couldn't watch that speech aren't getting the initial message that was really sent. I found a way around it. Um, If there's something big happening in our country, um, and I'm just going to use the hurricane, okay, the hurricane in Florida. I will go on Twitter or I will do a Google search and I will find a local TV station down there, a local newspaper writer, a local radio station, and I will either follow them and their coverage or most of them during an event like that, whether it be a shooting, whatever. They're, they're, they're streaming live, continuous coverage. And I found that to be the more accurate than turning on the big networks. Um, sad to say, but if something big were to happen here, who's going to be on the ground running? Who's got the relationships built up? Me or a big network that comes in here? Right. I want to think it's me. Yeah. And I think that I'm going to be the one to be able to present a more accurate or accurate description of the situation and the facts that's going on than somebody rolling in, in the town. It's interesting you brought it up because I use three social media platforms regularly. Mm-hmm. I use Facebook, I use Twitter, and then I use Instagram. And Instagram I just use for pictures. And um, out of all the three, it's really my favorite because the pictures of all, I mean, you can read whatever people put. Some people put some things and if you want to, but it seems to be the less political Right. Of the, because it's just pictures, right? That's not news or new to anyone. But I do enjoy Twitter more than Facebook. Mm -hmm. I find Facebook an unnecessary evil in my life just because of my job. Uh, That's your point on that. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that um, I use it for work and it helps me out a lot. And I would be foolish to ever walk away from that. But I thoroughly enjoy Twitter for what it is. And you have to be careful with it because there's bias involved, of course, in everything we do. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like it's more newsworthy, I guess, for lack of a better term, than Facebook is for some reason. It is. I mean, you've still got, you know, these little uh, news groups and stuff, and I won't name them to where you see, you know, they're not link and it's like that doesn't really even sound like a worthy news source so always you know check double check the source on anything but yeah i mean depending on who you follow and verified accounts and stuff like that you know i get a lot off of twitter from people on the ground at events Mm -hmm. you know and so many people are stuck in front of their TVs watching these talking heads during prime time who don't even write their own monologues, right. who don't do their own investigative reporting, and their word is gospel. Well, you know what? I think it really goes back to the local communities and the people 
who are dealing with the issues on the ground whose word should be gospel. If there's anything breaking, I go to Twitter first. Yeah, well, I, don't know why, I don't know why that is. Absolutely. I find that you can, the information there tends to be so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's maybe just because everyone's got a phone now that they can stream live from and they're able to go right when, you know, if it's a, for I mean, I always hate bringing it up, but if it's a shooting mm-hmm. at a university, you know, one year you follow the Twitter feed of, What's it? Central Michigan is a great example. They had a, a couple of years back. They had, yeah, a, they, had that, yeah. they had somebody with a threat, but it wasn't. It was a kid. Yeah. But you could go on the CMU's website, and they told what was going on. Campus is on lockdown. You could talk to see kids that are at school, and some were scared. Some, you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> some kids eating at Chipotle's. Like I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Know? But um, I just find that just it absolutely fascinates me. You know, there's apps. You can get a scanner app off off the app store that is free that will search police frequencies by location. Mm-hmm. Um, the example I was going to, you know, I'm going to use is, was the mass shooting at Mandalay Bay in Vegas. Um, I went on my app middle of the night, listened to it for hours. I listened to their police on the ground and it was fascinating. And it was also fascinating the next day as all the stories came out, how much of it was inaccurate or the police didn't go on the record right away, which is understandable. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, that's another good source. If you really want to know what's going on, eavesdrop on them. (laughs) So let me ask you this. So we've talked about news sources. How do you feel about people comparing maybe something that you write versus so fake news, for example, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're talking about that where people just pull information from that maybe isn't all that reliable. How do you feel like, how do I want to say this? What do I sometimes like my mom was a great example when she was alive. She, she hated watching TV and news. So a lot of times she would rely on Facebook for news mm-hmm. and my mom, same way. And I would tell me, my mom would call me up. Sometimes really upset. I'm like, mom, that's not even real. Like right. you're not going to get a virus for being on Facebook. I mean, like just scrolling, I promise you it's yeah. not, you know, whatever. How do you, how do we do a better job? Or what do you think is the key to so much of it is fear, right? People mm-hmm. are just, you know, they know it's that. Clicks. They, yeah, it's clicks. And it's clicks, of course. They, they're trying to, you know, that's how they get paid and how they make money by how many times it's getting clicked through and everything. How do we, how do we overcome yeah. How, the fake how news you, that are, is on social media and to, to have people tell the difference between Or how do you even deal with it as a person that's reporting news? I'm pretty, I'm pretty social. I'm pretty social on my social media. Um, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad, I guess. But um, it's amazing to see the news that's shared where people read the headline and don't read the story. And I've got one buddy who shares some stuff and I'll click on the story knowing it's going to be inaccurate. And, oh, this story is from three years ago. You know, and it's like people need to take the time. If you're going to click on it. Number one, look at the date. Number two, read it. Number three, find another source that will collaborate it. And and actually find several because there's so many of these little quote unquote news organizations that aren't such. Um, You know, local news is trusted. I mean, of course, you know, New York Times and, you know, they catch a, they catch, Grief and CNN catches grief and Fox catches grief, but 
you know, there is real news out there. Um, there's some hardworking reporters out there that are great, fantastic reporters that don't don't get the credit they deserve because of the talking heads that are normally in front of them. But, you know, um, use your common sense. If it sounds too good to be true, or if it sounds too bad to be reality, it probably is. You know, that's really what I would have to say. I think you do a wonderful job. You know, um, we're friends on Facebook, so I think you do a wonderful job of balancing that. I think sometimes it's, um, it's definitely high, you're spinning a lot of plates sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it is a high act, And I think you do a phenomenal job actually being able to give people, I think you take all fit feedback. It's, you know, even I've watched sometimes where I'm just like, this person just doesn't get it. And, you know, um, we got to educate them. You know, I will, I'll post links. I'll post several links if I need to from, you know, viable news sources, or I'll just send about, you know, a private message and be like, listen, you know, this is phony. Yeah. You know, you can't, you should not be spreading this because people like, yeah. you I know, the thing I had in Wisconsin is not going to read it and share it. And then, you know, it just snowballs from there. The thing I saw today from numerous times was um, from both sides, which was amazing, is that we needed to, we needed to vote this midterm cycle yep. because this will be the last real election. And both sides, both times I saw it, both sides were saying that, you know, if so-and-so gets elected, they're going to take the election and then they'll never be right. That is, uh, it's just funny that. Both sides can say the same thing, so it's just yeah. You don't. That's something you don't hear very often, for sure. <laughs> yes. They want. I'll tell you what. I've never seen a get out and vote push as strong as this one. I thought it was strong during the presidential of 2016, um, but it's strong. Uh, I turn out it's going to be crazy high. Um, you, I think there's going to be record numbers of first time voters just because of the marijuana initiative. Um, what that leads, you know, what that means for the other candidates down ballot, I don't know, or up ballot, I guess it would be technically. Um, election night's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. I've got my own thoughts, predictions, and hopes, but, you know, that's that's my private. That's that's my private, right? you know, what I want to do. I take that into the voting booth with me, and when I come out of it, you know, I let the cards fall where they may, and I work with uh, – Whoever is uh, victorious, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that's a great way of saying how I feel about it too. I definitely have my favorites in this thing, and I don't necessarily hide them even on this pod. But um, at the same time, you know, whoever is, you know, I, I always want the best one because they're in charge of our yeah. city, state, government, national, whatever. So, um, yeah. Well. Let's take a break. Sure. And then we'll pivot over some sports, a little lighter, more fun stuff. Fantastic. And I figure what we'll do is we'll go over the big four. So baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. Sounds Sounds good. All right. Sounds great. So let's start with the easy one. And by, I guess it's kind of easy because it has the least amount going on. So the World Series. Yep. You can be a part of this, Brad. Feel free to jump in there. Agreed. Dodgers, Red Sox, who you got? Red Sox. Sox. I'm going to say Dodgers. Because starting pitching. What's going on here? 
No. Um, I'm only going to say just to play devil's advocate. I mean, I really don't like the Dodgers. And I feel like if I have to hear one more time that Kershaw and Matt Stafford were high school teammates. <laughs> you're going to hear this Yeah. Yeah. So they both retired. Yeah. So, um, but um, I will say that the Dodgers have been – this is the only thing the Dodgers have been working for all year. Right? It was – World Series a bust for them. So yeah. I honestly believe that you – know, not that, that the Red Sox necessarily weren't primed for a World Series run either, though. So, yeah. Definitely some familiar, familiar faces going to be in the World Series this year. You know, I want to see – you know, Verlander got his ring last year. I'd like to see Price, Priscilla, and J.D. get – Yeah, get, I mean, we, you, you know, you get got theirs. Two, three main Tigers play – or three former Tigers play in a substantial role in the Red Sox. Right. Um Red Sox are a flawed team. Um, you know, they, Dave Dombrowski has put together one heck of a lineup and a decent rotation, but the bullpen, other than the closer, Kimbrell's been up and down a little bit recently, but they it just really resembles some of the past Tiger teams where that bullpen is going to be make or break for the Boston Red Sox. Well, what you need is you need the starter to carry you into seven innings. You need seven-plus innings out of your starters. You know, but the game's changed, and I think you've seen that more and more the last couple of playoffs where the starter goes three innings, and then they have a need for this reliever, and a need for this reliever, and a need for this reliever. And you're seeing that start, was it Texas mm-hmm. that did it? So one of the teams, like Gabe Kapler, I think was the manager or somebody, you're seeing the game change to where it's more reliever-based. Um, In Oakland, like, this year they started their closer yeah. or reliever. In the yeah, it's, yeah. so you're, you're seeing all these different – and that's all analytics. I mean, well, well, I'm just saying for the Red Sox to win the World Series, they got They're, they're going to have to get yeah. their innings from their big three. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're going to see two fantastic battles between Chris Sale and Clayton Kershaw. I mean, those are going to be, you know, must, that's going to be must watch. Um, I think, I think the wild card, you know, is, uh, going to be Boston's bullpen. I I really think that that's going to be key if Boston's going to win. All right. So we got two. Why don't you give me the, the, I'm saying Dodgers and five. Sox and seven. Six. I like it. All right. So then I think the next pivot would be easiest would be to go to hockey because the Red Wings had a great preseason, mm-hmm. but they've been riding the struggle bus in the regular season. Well, they finally got a win the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I did not uh, disappointed me. Because yeah. <clears throat> they beat the other one, this team Florida. So. I think when it comes to the Red Wings, all eyes are on next year because of the hype that Stevie Y is going to come and be the new GM or team president. Um, they got to play their kids. They got to clear some more salary. I mean, they're very, their situation was, was very similar to the Tigers where a year still play, paying contracts for players that are long gone. Um, like the Tigers, the Red Wings waited too long to make their move to rebuild. That being said, they had a fantastic draft. Um, well, and I think the common thread between those two teams were was Illich right. was trying to get that last championship for the old guy before he yeah. passed on it. So I, there's a common thread there. there yeah, there I don't think you can necessarily – I guess if I owned a team, I don't hold it against either franchise saying, hey, we were trying to get one They were going for bro. Yeah, and yeah. as a fan, I don't know how many – I'm sure there's millions of fans out there that wish their owners would go for broke and just go oh, for it. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, to be able to have an owner 
to go for it. And it's not it's not surprising. I mean, nobody should be surprised to where the state of these two franchises are right now. I mean, with you know, we knew what the salary caps were. We knew the contracts, and we knew that eventually we'd have to pay the piper. You know, and I enjoyed watching the Tigers this year. I enjoyed watching the kids. I enjoyed. You know, following on Twitter and what our kids in the minor leagues are and their, you know, the prospects and what they could potentially do next year and in 2020. So, I mean, I haven't followed the Red Wings as closely as I have in years past. Um, but they've got some exciting young talent from the draft. What, um, Zernina or what's his name? They're very good first round yeah. pick there. Should probably be playing this, with, he should, he should be in Grand Rapids. I think he should already be getting ice time with, with the main, with, the wings. Yeah. yeah. They said probably after the break he'll probably be yeah. on the ice. So and I think I mean that's the kind of thing with the Red Wings. I, I was excited to see it. I just hated seeing that it's a year away because it just feel like it's almost like you just want to get through this year now. And, right. You know, I think a lot of but at the same time I think it's a great year for, to develop some talent. And I think if you know Red Wings fans are the most spoiled of all Detroit fans, yeah. Because they've had the most success. And I can see why people get impatient and they're spoiled. And um, but you know, watch the Golden Knights. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, I love watching a team get built. You know, I think oh, the Lions are a great example of that. You know, I think it's really nice. And I, I enjoy watching the team form before your eyes. And you mm-hmm. know, sometimes the things you you hope work don't pan out, and sometimes they do. So um, I'll give you the choice: Pistons or Lions. Into the Pistons, Stones, Stones are exciting, right? I I'm on board. I was on board last year. And injuries in the big trade, and not you know continuity became a thing toward the end of the year. I'm excited about Casey as their coach, and uh, as weak as the East is, I think they can go as high as four, four or five. I got Detroit as a four seed this year. Really, it wouldn't surprise me at all. The one thing I think, and I. You know, Brad's tired of me talking about this, but I, I just – if we can figure out a way to either – we need to improve our guard play somehow. And, you know, whether that's – Reggie Jackson changes the way he plays, which he has yet to be able to show me that he, right. can, do, he, he can do that. But maybe he can. And if he can be what our team needs him to be, the Pistons can get really good really fast. Saturday night, um, Casey had ish – running the point, and they had Jackson spotting up as, a, as a, 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 a shooting guard. So there's going to be times where they go small, where Reggie's not going to be handling the ball. And, I mean, more and more and more you're going to see Blake handling the ball in crunch time, which is probably a good thing. Um, the problem with Reggie is he wants to be Steph Curry. Right. But he can't shoot like him. So, like, that's what creates the problem, you know, and – my problem with Detroit Pistons, and this is our first time ever talking about it, so mm-hmm. I'll tell you, is you've, you've built the team around some players that need help getting the basketball, and the person that's supposed to get them the basketball never wants to pass the ball. Right. So, like, that's the flaw in the team. So if you can figure out someone that makes these other two guys – I mean, Blake Griffin is looking amazing right now. Mm-hmm. He's motivated. He, he's healthy. He looks athletic again. He looks athletic. Admittedly, you know, it's early. Right. You know, so I, I know that. And, He's very well could get hurt anytime. I mean, that's the problem with Blake Griffin. I mean, but you know, with another year off the happen. books, with another year off the books of Reggie's contract too, is all of a sudden if he can stay healthy, 
and he can be semi-productive or productive come trade deadline. Once again, only one year left on that contract. Much easier to unload than what it was before. Yeah. Also, he's still a starting point guard, um, which is something that is in high demand in the league. And that contract that we thought that was outrageous three years ago is now a very affordable deal for some team. Yeah. So that that may come into play, you know, um, Ish, Ish is on an expiring contract. Maybe they try to part ways with Reggie and give Ish an extension. Yeah. You know, there's, they don't have, they don't have a lot of wiggle room just because of the sheer size of Andre and Blake's contract. Yeah, well, but there are things they can do. And what's interesting is I was thinking about what team really needs a guard like Reggie Jackson, somebody that can dribble and shoot, can create his own shot, but the Knicks. Well, the Knicks, yeah, Knicks need everything though. So, but. My example, but then has a piece that could help the Pistons and trade them that would have a guard <laughs> that could pass the ball. And, you know, it's crazy is that the Lakers could very well be that solution. I'm not saying that I want Lonzo Ball on, on the Pistons right. by any stretch of the imagination. But His dad's been quiet so far this year. Well, that's because of LeBron. Yes. We'll know that. <laughs> yep. um, but you really think about Reggie, could LeBron could play on the ball then. Mm-hmm. Reggie could play off. You know, and Reggie can put scoring bunches for LeBron that would work well. And then Detroit could get Lonzo, which could be our point guard of the future. Of the future yeah. And he would have plenty of opportunity to distribute around because we're known as we have, you know, we have some great shooters and we have a lot of pieces that can use somebody like him. Yeah, so. don't need him to shoot. Just drop the ball in the post, yeah. you know. And if they're, you know, you can't double team both those two big fellas in there. You just can't. So. You got. I'm assuming we have Golden State winning the NBA Finals. It's kind of a foregone conclusion. Unfortunately, yeah. You know that's it's. I used to love dynasties when I was younger, but you know, all it takes. They're so deep, but it really just takes an injury. Oh, I yeah. mean, everything changes if Durant goes down or Curry goes down. Well, I, I keep. I keep forgetting they got Boogie Cousins, who's not even coming. Who's not even back yet? I think Clay Thompson is, in a lot of ways, just as important that team as any of the as Draymond or as anyone. But he, you know, he's lost his luster, so to speak. He's been sort of pushed into the shadows because they acquired Durant. Because you know they went out and got these high-profile players. It was you know it was him and Curry when this team started out and started making waves. And now it's just like he's still there. But as far as the spotlight goes, he's been sort of cast in the shadows. But he's every bit as as important to that team as anybody outside of Durant. And, uh, I don't think he might have pushed back into the shadows, though. No, I think you're right. Yeah, he's probably the most laid-back person on that team. And, right? it, and it's a perfect role for him, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if he was high-maintenance, he wouldn't do as well as no. he does. And it's neat to see. My favorite thing is when Clay Thompson goes off for like 40 points in a quarter because mm-hmm. he'll just get that groove, and it's like everybody on the team's like, let's roll with it. And that's yeah. the best thing about that team is feed the if, hot hand. Yeah, if somebody's hot and they know it, they're just going to keep feeding them the ball. The problem is that so everybody's hot sometimes. So right. then, you know, just everybody wants to eat. You know? Yeah, I've got, I've got them. I've got them beating Boston. I, I can't. I'd like I'd like to think the Pistons compete with Boston. I just don't think they're there yet. Toronto's looked good so far. Um, I think there's going to be a transition period with Kawhi going there. Um, I, I don't think Toronto's as good as everyone's making them out to be. Me personally, but I mean, you know, it's just you look you look at the East and it's just like, you know, Indiana, middle of the road. You know, they, there's a lot of teams. You know, you look at ten through four. 
10 through two, you know, it, it's anybody's game to get, you know, get those spots. And I, I like, if I like the business stay healthy, I like their chances to be in, in the top five come playoff time. Yep. I think they could host a playoff game first. That time. being said, people need to go out, enjoy the new arena and fill these seats. It's getting embarrassing for the Red Wings and the Pistons. Well, we could talk about that really quick. So there's there's an upside and a downside to when we do an arena, right? Yeah. The upside is it's shiny and new. The downside is you have to pay for that shiny and new one way or the other. Tickets are expensive. They are. You know, I think I like it downtown. I like the Pistons downtown. I've yet to go to a game, so I'm the first. I'm part of the problem. I'm a, I haven't been yet, but yeah. I um, you know, when they, I, I made sure I took Allison to the Joe. Because the very first time I took Allison to Comerica Park, I walked in there. It was my first time going to Comerica Park. And I walked in there. She didn't know anything about baseball. And I walked in there. And the whole time I'm walking around, I'm just looking around all over. And she's just kind of like, you know, whatever. She didn't really like baseball. She didn't hate baseball. Right. But it was just something to do. And I was like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, no, I'm like, you have no idea. And she's like, well, okay. And, you know, I'm like, my dad used to take me to Tiger Stadium right, all right, the right. time. You know? right. So walking to Comerica, you're just like, holy right. cow. I mean, there's not a bad seat in the house. I remember my dad used to take me to Tiger Games. I'd always get behind a pole, it seemed like. And I was always, like, looking around. You know, but for as bad as the Tigers were with Comerica Park open, they had big problems. Yeah. And he just never saw it from day one with Little Caesars. Maybe it's the name. People were people were mad about the name. They wanted it. They wanted it, uh, you know, Hall Arena. Yeah. So I, I doubt that's what it is. But when it goes gets to the point that they've got to put covers or re- replace the seating so the empty seats aren't as visible on TV, you got a problem. Yeah. They're not all wandering the concourse. They're not selling tickets. Yeah. Well, and part of that's the product they're putting on the. Right, you know, right. and but and it's that weird time—not so much for the Pistons, but it is that weird transition time we talked for the Red Wings. I think it's going to be a tough year for the Wings. Oh, it is. I think you're going to see a lot of that. At, at this time. point, I'm at this point, I'm just tanked for top pick. You know, yeah. I think the good news is, is I remember back when Comerica opened in 2003, and you know where what I was going. Mm-hmm. You could get Tiger tickets for like five bucks. Yeah. You could go really cheap. I never went, but I know you. I was always hearing how cheap it was. And then, of course, fast forward 2012, and now you know you're paying sixty, eighty dollars for that same five dollar ticket. Right. You know, ten years later. So and when you give Miguel Herrera three hundred million dollars, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and then that's what. So I think it's a great. Hopefully, the ticket prices will come down a little bit. Right. You know, and I think. I think once the Pistons get rolling, I think you're going to see the crowds. The crowds have always been there for the Pistons in the past. And I think once the team – I think they're always hopeful. And then the team doesn't live up to expectations. And I think the minute fans see, like, you know what, maybe this year is the year where we can actually make some waves, they're going to fill place. They did it at the Dome. They did it at the Palace for 20-some years. And I think that they'll be back. I I see a trade. I think hopefully they won't trade a draft pick, though, because it seems like that's the only thing Pistons ever trade. And then – they have had a decent draft pick in forever, it right. seems like. So hopefully they won't trade their draft pick away. And, but I, I think it, it seems like they're being very proactive and trying to not, not be done yet. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I can see Stanley getting moved. I can see Kennard getting moved. They got to re-sign Bullock at the end of the year probably. I think his value is going to go up. Um, there's some maneuvering. They just, they're not going to be able to take on any substantial money. 
they are not going to be able to clear enough space to bring on a, another big contract. I really, and the other one I thought that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me really is that if you somehow if Detroit somehow parlayed Drummond over to to somewhere because really you have Blake, and I'm not saying that Blake is as good as Drummond, but you reach a point where if you know what he is and you know what we are. You have to look at trade value assets. No one's going to take Blake off our hands. No, not for that contract. It was injury history. So, yeah, we're stuck with Blake forever. So, yeah. but the one tradable asset we have left is is Andre. So you know, and they try. They tried. I mean, they tried to move him before last season, and there weren't many takers. There was some talk about the Clips maybe sending DeAndre Jordan over and stuff in a package, but Andre threw out that. And he had some displeasure with Van Gundy. He did. Mm-hmm. Still shot, what, 60% from the free throw line, which nobody saw coming. Yeah. And led the league in rebounding again, was an all-star. And his value's getting up more equal to his contract, I mm-hmm. think. Um, well, that be, and that being said, because of his age, I think he was 18 when he came in the league. He can only be maybe 22 now, 23 at the most. I don't even think he's 23 yet. Um, he's, he would have a lot more appeal now on the trade market than he did two years ago. Yeah. So. And lastly, but our Lions. Brad's going to win the Super Bowl still this year. Next year. Oh, next year? Oh. So, I feel hmm. about the Lions. A lot better than I did five weeks ago. Um, I think the Jets, I thought that I knew the Jets game was an aberration. And uh, since then, they played a couple games that they probably should have won. This is the most balanced offense that I can remember in years. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday was uh, things really came together. And, I mean, their offensive line, I think they had all their starters in for the first time in forever. Lang was back. Um, the rookie Ragnar looks fantastic. I questioned the pick at first, you know, really thinking they should go with D-end or, you know, a defensive tackle. But he was pushing guys five, ten yards down the field on some of these carries and opening up massive holes. And, you know, I think they're at the point to where offensively they're fine. Yeah. I thought it was interesting yesterday. The announcers kept saying how what a great job Kerry Johnson was doing. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a great job. Fantastic. But so much of what he was doing was that offensive line. It was. And finally being pieced together. And, you know, you'll never get to really – that doesn't get talked about a lot. But they really – it was crazy yesterday. I didn't even know what I was watching. Did you time. notice how few holding penalties there were? It was just <laughs> – the hold – it was not like – it was so much of an aber- – that game was so weird to me. I almost put it in the same box as I put that Jets game. Like, I knew that right. Monday Night Jets game was like, there's no way the lines are that bad. Right. It just – there's a lot of whole bunch of things people call them excuses, but I gave them all, and I just like that's just not right. Bad. I kind of feel the same way about this last game too. But we didn't. Typical Lions fan. I always feel like Lucy holding the ball up, and I'm running up, and Charlie Brown's running up, and then she pulls. Right. I just feel like maybe this is the ultimate letdown they're about to pull because they looked fantastic. I mean, probably the best I've ever seen them look in a, a really, really long time. Yeah. No, I. I didn't want the game to end. <laughs> it was that I enjoyed watching it that much. And I mean, they, they're going to have, you know, but you're starting to see the acquisitions now, the Canards and the saint whatever his name yeah. is, starting to pay dividends. Some of these moves that were questioned during free agency and signing um, teams that were released or traded for, you know, 
you're starting to see them contribute, and we still don't even have odds of that. And really, that's the brilliance of having a GM that's playing chess while everyone's playing checkers, right. for lack of a better term. And I know a lot of he do, he makes some moves that aren't very popular. And I mean, he's going to let Anza walk at the end of the year. We know oh, that. Yeah. And he maybe he, Golden Tate. And he, I'm saying he's probably like Golden Tate, unless Tate takes a substantial pay cut. Right. Which he won't. This will be his final big contract. Yeah. So, so, but it's just nuts. I mean, really, the whole thing. To watch yesterday, I was just really just that to be up by seven with six minutes to go. We knew that they had to run the ball and they can win this game just by running this clock right. out. Yeah. That's all they got to do. And felt confident doing it, not yeah. knowing that we're not going to have to pass and get three incomplete passes and they're getting the ball back. Yeah. And right. the, the fact to know that they had to do it and then to go out and execute and do it, I was like, man, I don't know what's going on right now. You know, they're through the toughest part of their schedule. I mean, they've still got the Rams, and they've got Chicago twice, but now Chicago's in last place. If you split with Chicago, you split with Minnesota, which seems to be the case every year. Minnesota hasn't lived up to expectations. This division is up for grabs. Yeah, you know, Green Bay is not as as good as what they were. They're banged up. They don't have. They're they're playing receivers that you know I couldn't even tell you right now. You know, other than Devontae Adams, um, Rogers still doesn't look like himself. So I mean. We've worked ourselves back into the position where we've got to be considered a contender for the North. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a bizarre world. It is. It was just – it was a bizarre weekend for me. You want So do you want to talk about the elephant in the, that's been in the room the whole time, or do you want to not talk about it? I mean, it's up to yeah, you. No, you don't – no, because it's fun. Um, I know I you did, I didn't. I didn't expect the Spartans to win. I, you know, but I, I know could, you wanted it. You wanted yeah, it so I, you bad. Know, you wanted to come on here. I just, did. I did because I've got a lot of Michigan fan, a lot of friends that are Michigan fans, so I catch a lot of grief. Um, but yes, I picked Michigan in our expert picks in the paper, which I am still winning first place with like two weeks to go. And Johnny Zawaki, I think, is in last now. Good for him. Um, but I knew it was going to be a close game. Especially when I saw the forecast. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way history could repeat itself. And as the game developed, when the weather was nasty, Michigan played horrible. When the sun came out and dried up a bit, Michigan played well. I don't, people are referring it to a blowout. The game wasn't a blowout. You take two plays away, it's a 7 7 game, two big plays. That being said, Michigan did dominate just because of the amount of yards they got. But once again, two huge chunk plays. Yeah. Sort of misleading stat. I think Michigan State's defense played above what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't think uh, – let's be real. Michigan State playing fourth, fifth string wide receiver. And that's, that's the thing nobody's talking about. Right. You know, that's that doesn't help them. And you can say – a quarterback that's banged up. And you can say it what it is. I mean, injuries are part of the game. So, I'm not trying to make excuses for Michigan State. Right. But to act like that doesn't – I mean, it is what it is. There's nothing you can it do is. about it. If you, if you, if, if you're a Lions fan and a Michigan fan, and you take away Golden Tate, you take away Galloway, and you take away Jones, you know, the, and you put in, you know, whoever they're four fifth and bring people up from the practice squad, mm-hmm. you know, how how are things going to turn out for the Lions? <laughs> the only thing that I can always say, because I am a Michigan guy, so oh, I know we were missing Gary. Yeah, who could be arguably one of the best defensive players in the entire nation. Yeah, and of course our best running back. Still, we have I think we've only gotten to have him play right like a handful of downs since he's ever come to Michigan. 
he always gets hurt. Yeah, so. I mean, issues, is, injuries are part of it. I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm just glad they didn't get blown out. I, I, I had a feeling the way Michigan had been playing um, that State could get very easily get blown out. I really thought that the score was going to be much bigger than it was, but the, to act like the weather didn't have a part in that mm-hmm. for both sides because it affected both teams. Oh, yeah, punting. Uh, Some of the punts were hilarious. Yeah, um, that definitely played it. I just thought it was going to be more high-scoring right. fair. I thought it was going to be a little more – you know, you take the take the scores and double them type of thing. You know, right. I mean? like, but whatever. I mean, yeah, nope. So uh, the rivalry's hot as ever, hotter than it's ever been. And you know, Michigan fans and Ohio State fans are going to always say, you know, this is the rivalry: Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan. I think I think it's not anymore. I, I think it's Michigan State, Michigan. I mean, I think you can see it by the players. And not just from the behavior before the game, but their comments after the game and their comments on Facebook and on Twitter. And you don't see that kind of intensity that you do with Ohio State anymore. Well, that being said, there really hasn't been a rivalry for a decade between those two teams. Yeah. Michigan has nothing to show for it. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's been with Ohio State once. It's all, yeah, it's, it's very underwhelming, yeah. to say the least. And, you know, and uh, it's tough to sit there and – Ohio State's really good. They just really are. And um, you can, I can say, I don't really like to make my reasons why I think that is. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you got to tip your hat when you have to tip your hat. Right. You know, I think they're right for the pickings this year, though. I think, wouldn't it be something Michigan Michigan State pulls? Because Michigan State plays it first. Wouldn't it be something Michigan State gives them loss number two in the game, and the game doesn't matter between Michigan. It would not surprise me if Michigan State beat Ohio State. They, they seem to do it. Yeah. You know? Especially these are the moments where they're all, yeah, you have a laundry list of the reasons why Michigan State should probably not beat them. And then all of a sudden, some of the, well, it'll look at the Penn State game. Yeah. And that's, but that's the kind of games they win. That's why I held out hope throughout that whole game, is because they play ugly. They play physical. They play into the last quarter. They stay within a punch, mm-hmm. and at the last second, they pull out some trick player. They God smiles upon them, and somehow they pull out a win. That's just in big games against ranked teams. That just seems to be the recipe. I don't even know if I want to say recipe. It just seems to be how things work out yeah. for Michigan State and for Sparty. Yeah. Um. So, is Michigan going to beat Penn State? To play at Michigan, yes, yes. I'm going to say yes, but the the potential for a letdown is there. I think this is a trap game. You've got Penn State coming off a bye, off a loss. Um, you've got Michigan, who's so the team, you know, so fired up after this yeah. big victory and the controversy and you know, all the antics before and after the game. That you know, there's always the possibility, no matter how good of a motivator. You know, Jim might be, you know, for a letdown. I mean, it's we've tough, seen it before. It's tough sports. having the week off. It is. I think if they would have played him right away, I think it would probably – I wouldn't feel the way I do. But having a week off – that being said, Michigan is banged up. So right. having the week off does help. But right. the intensity needs to be there. Because Penn State's going to come out. They, oh, yeah. They need this game. They have to have this game. So um, I, I think Michigan's going to It should be a good game. If it was at Happy Valley, I'd be scared shitless. But – yeah, it's not, no, so it's not. Um, and then I think they'll, they'll probably go all up to Ohio State. So in Columbus, 
You gotta get it done. Yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Oh, you know, I think this is the year they can. I think this is the year they can, but I also think they don't. <laughs> I just don't. Um, I, I'm not sold on Michigan kickers, never have been. And I think in a close game outside where weather could be bad, um, kicking could be the difference. And, you know, let's face it, Ohio State the last few weeks have not looked good. Yeah. Well, but Michigan earlier in the year didn't look good. I can tell you what. I just I, think I don't know. Quinn, it's a really hard one to get a game. You're right. Quinn is a head case. But here's the thing about Quinn. I've decided that it's weird. That son of a gun won't make a kick. An easy kick. He can't make an easy kick. Or, But you give that kid a kick that's impossible, he makes it. <laughs> that's what's weird about that kicker. So, I mean, 55 yards and win on the road with everyone screaming at him, it's, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But you give him a 25-yard chip shot, you know, no wind and at home. The team had to be, the team had to be happy about hearing the news about Bosa. Yeah. That he's just gonna work on work on getting healthy, getting in shape for the NFL draft. So I mean that's that's a blow, you know, to Ohio State's defense right there. But it should be an interesting game. I just don't as much as I would like the Wolverines to win, um, I don't think they're there yet. I don't know if they can clear two hurdles in one season. I still think beating Michigan State was one hurdle they had psychologically oh, yeah. get oh, over. Yeah. So you brought it up because that was the one last thing I wanted to talk about. How do you feel? What's going on with, with Bosa and players? Gary, Gary's right there. So does Rashawn Gary play the rest of the year? Or should he? Or could you blame him if he just said, you know what? At this point, no. Don't. Well, you know, it's hard. Because, number one, I can't put myself in their shoes. But you got to look at the financial liability. I mean, the bowl games are starting to become a sham because the star players aren't even going to participate in the bowl game. Because we've seen the injuries. We've seen the injuries in the bowl games and the impact it has on them going into the NFL. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't fault them for doing that. That's their livelihood. That's something they've worked at since they've been in elementary school and worked harder at something physically and mentally than I ever have in my life. And they're doing it for free to prepare for that moment to where they're going to become millionaires and have their, their moment of glory, you know, is being a pro. So I don't fault them for it. Do I want to see them on the field? Well, yeah. The networks want to see them on the field. The college, you know, the university wants to see them on the field. But if they're looking after themselves, their families, and their financial future, I don't have an issue with them not playing. I can see Bosa doing it since it was a core muscle injury, and that's you really got to work on getting strength back there and get surgery. And Sean Gary, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it hurts his shoulder. It's not like he's having surgery or anything. He needs a rehab. But right. Let's get out there playing. It's really weird, and I think part of it, part of the problem is, is that it's Peyton Manning, right? Or not Peyton Manning? I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's the NCAA, right? And they're making all this money, mm-hmm. you know, and these kids have. Really, the problem is, is that for while you're at college, the NCAA is the one that's making all this money, Big time. And, and they're the one that's controlling all of it. And then you don't get anything until you become yeah. to a pro. And I think a lot of these kids feel like they're just trapped, and they have no other choice but to play because you can't enter for three years. So, I, you know, and that's 
I think you're going to. I don't, I don't think I have a problem with compensating the kids to a certain degree. Where else can you go and dedicate that kind of hour, that kind of physical labor and physical abuse, and not get compensated? That being said, these kids are going to come out of school not in debt a hundred thousand dollars for their education. You know, so I mean, well, the ones, and, that, and take advantage, all, the ones that take advantage of the education, true. Yeah. You know, I mean, so but, it's it, it's you know, I I think that. Uh, you know, and, and how do you divvy up the money? Yeah. You know, is somebody like Patterson going to get X percent of, of the pool of money and somebody else gets, you know, how do you do that without without causing some sort of turmoil or jealousy or greed in the locker room? Right. Let them make money off their likeness. I mean, right. That's the, video one of the, big reasons. the video games. Yeah. You, you can't do anything as a college athlete. To make any money, and let them go out and sign autographs or something, Just right? Something so they can have some money. Yep, have their names on the back of their jerseys and give them a percentage. I think I like to bring it up because everyone knows I'm a Duke fan, but I think Duke's a great example of a school that totally takes advantage of this whole thing. You know, they they get these five star kids and they all come in, whether it's one year or four years, even if you go right. way back, they're selling out this. They're selling out the stadiums. Yeah. For every game, you know, they're on national TV. Every almost every game's televised. Oh yeah, you know, and that school is getting a benefit from that. Oh, huge, 100%. huge financial and benefit. I'm not saying that these kids are being treated like peasants because Lord knows that the Duke basketball program gets a lot of benefits from to be a player there. Yeah, probably more so than any other probably program in the in the nation. I've got but one it, that tops it, but it's nowhere near. The amount of money that's the amount of revenue that those boys are generating for that program. No. So, like, it just doesn't feel right. No, you know, and, you know. Well, that's like Notre Dame's football team. They've got an exclusive contract with NBC that plays. Now, how much is that contract worth? We are going to pay you to play Notre Dame games exclusively on Saturday. What a sweet deal for the university that is. They don't have to do anything. They just got to put their product out there. You know, and I guarantee you that's. I don't even want to speculate on how much, how many millions of dollars NBC had to pay for that. Anything you want to add, whatever? No, I'm good. All right, I had some things, but it's in the past. <laughs> it's in the woods. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good for. I think we've touched on sports. <laughs> so, um, all, right. all right, we'll end it here, and we'll come back, and we'll do our top five. Yep. All right, we're going to move on to our top five, and it's our top five quarterbacks of all time. So I was guessing NFL, so that's what I went with. Some of my honorable mentions is Steve Young, Johnny Unitas, Dan Marino, Terry Bradshaw, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. My number five is going to surprise the shit out of everybody. It's War Moon. That's a good. That's a good one. I actually thought about him. It's not a bad. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think it's surprising. It is. People aren't going to say, hey, Warren Moon is my top five quarterback. Well, you know, back in that era, he was one of the elite passers. It wasn't a pass-happy league. Well, I think like you think it's Canadian leagues. That's what we're exactly. He was the all-time third, passer. Yeah. Combined both. Yeah, if you combine both. So. Yeah. I don't think that's very – It is. 
Just deal with it. <laughs> that's it is. That's shocking. Very, you're very grouchy. Look this black cloud. Yeah, he's <laughs> my number five favorite Bradshaw. Good pick. Good pick. I mean, won some championships. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's weird when you because really this became a race of three for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I thought about putting Bradshaw in my top five. I did not. Um, I think strictly, even though it was a different era, he had Hall of Famers on every side of him, plus a defensive, you know, defensive Hall of Famers as well. And I, I took that into consideration. Um, honorable mentions, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a good His number is, I mean, he's right there. I mean, he could, he could be in top five and I'll always think of how important he was to the community in New Orleans after Katrina. And that whole team, and then to go on and win the Super Bowl and stuff afterwards. Um, Kurt Warner, short career, very good career. I mean, from coming out of a grocery store to having the greatest show on turf to going to the Cardinals and being within one play of the Super Bowl championship there, you know, if he could have played a full career, you know, he, he would be there, I think, mm-hmm. you know. And then obviously another honorable mention, Michael Vick. Um, he was a transcendent player. I mean, until he got in trouble, teams had to game plan for his run, his pass. He was just that good. And if you think back to those, if you, you go watch the YouTube highlight reel of Michael Vick when he was with Atlanta, it was insane. And um, once again, career cut short of his own doing, but honorable mention because he was just that unique at that point. He wasn't a Randall Cunningham or anything like that, he was onto his own faster than corners, faster than kick returners, and had that cannon. It's an, Michael Vick's an interesting player, just the whole thing of him and right. what he brought to the game. I, I thought him, when he came back with the Eagles and that one year where he was really throwing the ball well right, was really actually interesting. It was a, It made you wonder if, if he was having issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was approaching his prime when he got in trouble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was a specimen. He was. Number five, I got Dan Marino. If uh if Dan Marino played in today's age of the percentage of pass plays that are called compared to what it was then, he would be an all time leading passer. It's just, you know, he was, he threw the ball probably 20, 25 times a game back then. If he was throwing it 40 now, it's game over. He would be all technical pass. Well, it's, I find these ones are the hardest when you do all time because today's NFL is nothing like the NFL 20 years ago, even. And it's just crazy to think of what quarterbacks can do, get away with, and even how long they're able to play now. Yeah, but he wouldn't have to worry about being sacked because he can't touch the quarterback. Yeah. Now. So he'd been healthy. His knees wouldn't have been shot after yeah. seven years. Right. Well, I have a Michael thing. It has nothing to do with football, but he was one of the best guest star appearances on a TV show. He was on Atlanta. I don't know if you watched that. Mm-hmm. He was outside a strip club racing people for money. <laughs> Michael Vick racing people for outside a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's reality TV. That's called, isn't it? It is. It's an awesome show, too. Anyway, my number four is John Elway. I mean, again. Yeah, yeah I've got him on. I've got him on my list. I've got him on my list. I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs because 
All these guys are really good. Right. I mean, that that quarterback class. Again, 83 class. Yeah. It's transcendent. Yeah. It really is. I mean, you look at those three, and, I mean, Elway's my next guy, guy too, because I, I held against – it, it doesn't sound fair, but I held the championships against Dan. So. Right. That's what I did. Yep. Um, I've got Peyton Manning, number four. Uh, Peyton Manning was the best regular season quarterback ever and probably the most overrated playoff quarterback ever. This pick is strictly on stats. Um, his second Super Bowl, he set lows for pass percentage, completions, yardage, everything. I mean, that Denver defense carried that Super Bowl. And I understand he had some neck issues for some time and stuff like that. But somebody always had his number. Somebody always had his number, whether I mean, he could not get past the Chargers. And the Chargers, when they had a, you know old, uh, old Drew Brees or when Rodgers was young, you know, and then the Patriots and them always had their thing. And, yeah, he's got, you know, the one Super Bowl that I consider his Super Bowl that he won. It was against the Bears and Rex Grossman. So I still think that I'm pretty sure it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. no, it was. I just – I just – I don't – I, I, I struggle to put him in the top that's five. That's not Peyton's fault, though. He played, played. Right. I know. Yeah. I just – he, you know, I I'm think – I'm standing up for Peyton Manning. I do like Peyton Manning, and I'm standing up for it. Yeah, I'm not an awesome Bears defense. <laughs> yeah, I just a shitty Bears quarterback. Yeah, it's you know he's got more playoffs lost than he does wins, and he's been bounced more than any quarterback in the first round, and that's telling. I think he he can throw a handful of interceptions in the regular season and throw three in one game in the playoffs in a dome. That's my take, my hot take. Yeah, it's not really hot. That's an interesting. <laughs> No, my number three was Peyton Manning, <laughs> as is mine. Okay, so we weren't too far off. Just well, no, I mean, really, like I said, this became a battle of three, and really, this it comes down is it's like the LeBron James Michael Jordan argument. Who do you right. think is the greatest? Because you you have one that was in an era, and then you have somebody that's in present day, right? And, and that's then, that's what I struggle. With. Yeah, and that's what it's, it's coming down to two quarterbacks. I'm assuming for all of us, and. I think we all have the same. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's that's what the problem with somebody. It almost have been easier if you would have just said top five quarterbacks for the past ten years, even because or right or stop at two thousand, even right. Go the other way with it. Say we're not going to put anyone in the present day. So we're going to take out Brady and Manning, you know, we're gonna right. Throw them out and just say, but yeah, it's still fun. I mean, yeah. No, I love it. I like. I can debate sports all day long. <laughs> you number three. I've got LA. Um, five Super Bowls. One, two. Not the greatest winning percentage. Um, he was Aaron Rodgers before Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he could roll out. He had a cannon. He had a bigger arm, actually, than Rodgers has. Um, it just, yeah, I mean, he he could get out of the pocket. He was a right-handed. Was he left-handed? Was he, he was right-handed. Yeah, he was a right, right-handed um I, you Steve know, the, the interesting like thing about Young, more, even more agile. You brought up a great example of him being like Aaron Rodgers. I kind of think he is like Aaron Rodgers because I think Aaron Rodgers is a D bag, just absolutely super douchey. <laughs> and is. I find John he Elway is. super douchey too. Right. So I think that's a great, great example. They really are a lot alike. The more I think about it, but yeah, I, I've got Elway up to three. You know, that class of quarterbacks, I will say he was probably the elite of the three of Kelly, Kelly, Marino, you know, in L.A. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, 
his days are numbered as, as terms of Denver because if this if you know if uh, doesn't work out with this quarterback, I think time's running low on him before he's replaced in Denver. They say that Elway was such a great quarterback that he has a hard time evaluating any talent on the offensive side of the ball because he spends so much time studying defense. And that's why he's so great at drafting offensive players. Yeah. And that he can, he has just blind spots that he can't see beyond right because he's just a great quarterback. And things that just you know, like drinking water and breathing air for him aren't that way for other people. Right. He just can't see that. Yeah. It's an interesting argument. My number two is Joe Montana. You sly son of a gun. I mean, I don't know who to put. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's a two-horse race. One A and one B. <laughs> yeah, one A and one B. The, the homer in me wants to put who you have at number one, number one. But the boy growing up watching football wants to put your number two, number one. It's your list. You do whatever. I, well, I'm very conflicted, so but I'm going to do it just because I'm a homer. So my number two is Joe Montana as well. Then. Mine's Joe. I mean, four Super Bowls, two MVPs, got the Chiefs within a game of the Super Bowl, and that wasn't exactly a high-powered team. You know, I, I, I would struggle right now to probably name their receivers or their running back at that point. I don't know if it was Larry before Larry Johnson and Christian Okoye, maybe. I don't know. It's got to be before that. So Could have been the Nigerian nightmare. Good on. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just, for me, you know, when I think clutch, he was Mr. Original Clutch for me. That's when I really got into football. It was right around that time. And it was just how it is with Brady and Breeze and, you know, Rodgers and these guys that you just know if there's a minute left and no timeouts, they're going to come down to get a field goal or a touchdown. He was, to me, the original guy that I seen do that to. I just knew. It's like this guy's special where he's going to pull it out in, in a big moment. I think it's interesting. I used to make the I used to like the argument that Tom Brady was the greatest game manager quarterback of all time. Some could say Peyton was. Yeah, and some could say Peyton was too. You know, because when you think of game manager, I always think of Trent Dilfer, Rex Grossman was another one. <laughs> right. quarterbacks that got you there that necessarily didn't. And you you hear you see the Tom Brady stats, and you're like, well, there's no way he, a guy with 5,000 yards a season as a game manager. Right. But the system that he's in. Is he a system quarterback? Is he a system quarterback? And what I always find interesting is when you compare these two like we are now, would Tom Brady, like if if Tom Brady went to the Chiefs, like Joe Montana went to, or right. Joe Nutsi, yep. like Montana went to, how would he do? Would he I've do? run that through a million times. How would Tom Brady look on the line? How would he look? Here? Well, here, let me give you an example of the team. What if we put Tom Brady on the Jacksonville Jaguars right now? I think. Like, I mean, they, we all know they have a great defense, right? right. And but let's just say Tom Brady with a healthy Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah. I mean, then you've got, you know, then you got, yeah. That's, I think, I think they could. I think they could. You know, I mean, they don't have, the, you know, they got D.D. Westbrook and they've got a few, um, I can't remember the other receivers' names, but um, 
once again, you know, if you implement the backs out of the backfield yeah. and you do the quick slants and once in a while you'll go over top if you catch a safety. But that's the same thing with Joe Montana, right, though? Though with that West Coast offense, he knew it inside. Oh out. yeah. So Walsh was a genius. Yeah, I mean, so that's where that was where that was birthed out of. Yeah. So my favorite Joe Montana story is they're in the Super Bowl against Cincinnati Bengals and they're going on the last drive and going for the game winning touchdown. He looks in his hands and hey, that's John Candy. <laughs> Just had no pressure, yeah. no sweat. And went down and led him to touchdown or whatever. Number one is Tom Brady, of course. What can you say? He's the prettiest man in football. It's my man crush. I don't. Probably a little more than people wanted to know. But... <laughs> How do you? I mean, I mean, you can make the argument like if we just did. He's in a system, but and he plays in a different era. But some of these things are no fault of his own. Isn't that what most of these quarterbacks? That's yeah, one hundred percent. Like I said, Montana played in a West Coast offense. So you're really struggling with this one, right? Well, no, it's Tom Brady. I said I went with Montana Brady, but it's really hard because I think Montana was arguably one of the. You know, you could make the argument Montana is the greatest quarterback of all time, or I'll argue it, and you could make the argument Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I've got Brady, and this was something that I considered before I decided my one and two. Joe Montana's story's been told. It's had a conclusion. Brady's has it. Can he get another one, two Super Bowls? Can he win another MVP? Just when you think that he's done, or, oh, no, that was a bad loss by New England. Is, this, is that the end of the Patriots dynasty? He bounces back in three-game winning streak, averages 300 yards and three touchdowns. You know, so... He's from where he is already. I consider him number one, Montana, you know, one B. But I think by the time Tom calls it a career, I, I think that the, this debate might be done. I think this is his last year. He says he wants to play the forty-five. Yeah, but I honestly believe. I think if they win a Super Bowl this year, and they could, they could. I could see him. Honest. There's a lot of things that. Who's who's gonna beat him out of the Eastern Conference? You know, out of the East, yeah. out of the out of the NFC, yeah, or AFC. Well, yeah, there there's some teams that might be able to get the Patriots, but I don't see anybody in the NFC who's gonna beat the Patriots. No, I don't see anybody in the AFC either. Honestly, right. I mean, you could say Jacksonville, maybe if they. If what about at- Kansas City? Are they for real? <laughs> you know, boy, that that was a good game that that night. I, I think I think Kansas City's great. I just don't think it's their time yet. Right. I think in two years they'll be fine. But then I don't know if you have that same team in two years. Mm-hmm. That's what's so weird about having their head coach. Yeah, yeah. He's but, not the best game manager. But, yeah. but back to Brady. I just, I just think by the time his picture is one hundred percent painted, we're probably going to see another Super Bowl, possibly another MVP. You know, if he stays healthy, and that I mean, when you're talking six Super Bowl wins out of eight, he just lost what? Lost two, three, three. Last three, you know, that's it's just hard. It's I hard. think I think my problem I have with Tom Brady again, it's no fault of his own, but it, and rules in the NFL have changed so much. Oh yeah, and I just can't get past like what it is now to what I mean. You look at like you said with Marino or Montana could play in today's NFL again, no fault of their own. Yep, it'd be no different than Michael Jordan. Like I said, Michael Jordan playing in today's NBA. 
Like, okay, let me ask you this. Who do you think is better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? <laughs> You're gonna get me started on this. See, that's what I mean. And it's, it's LeBron. It's the first time I've ever said it. It's LeBron the that makes it hard, though, right? It's, it's not necessarily. They're both great. Yeah, it's, 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 I weigh so many things. Yeah. The actual championships with one team and all this, but Le, you know, LeBron what he did in Cleveland was strict. Was truly amazing. I don't. I don't like it, but LeBron James to me. I, I, that's the first time I've ever said it, and I'm. I'd, he's a freak. Yeah, I'm on the record. Now. He's a, yeah. he's fast as any guard out there. He's yeah. big as any power forward. Yeah. And if you want to tell me that flops harder than any big man. Yeah, but that's just because that stays NBA. If you would have put him in the eighties, he'd be more of a problem in the eighties because he's so big and strong. Yeah, he just must. He would just. Yeah, he he's more solid than Malone was. I mean, he's right up there with Malone. He wouldn't be he's a just vegan massive. right now. If he was in the A's, he wouldn't be a vegan right now. No. He'd be putting on another fifty pounds of muscle, and he'd yeah. just be like, he'd be Charles yeah. Barkley, even quicker and stronger. I'm not saying I like it. I'm right. just saying it is what it is. I mean, yeah, no, I, that's I've, I've for years I've been debating that one, and that was the first time I finally said, you know what, I've got to give LeBron his props. Not, I'm not a big fan. Um, heck, if I had one of his jerseys, I'd burn it. But I'm going to give him his props as being the best. Oh, player. he's and he's seems like for the most part a really good guy. He's just kind of douchey, and I think that's the reason I just don't like him. Yeah, I, I you just, know, he really did the people of Cleveland wrong. Not that he's left; it was just the big performance of it on prime time on ESPN, and then everybody knew he was leaving and where he was going, and they still went through with that. I. You know, I think if he could go back, I don't think you'll hear this from LeBron until he's retired. Right. But if he can go back, he knows he screwed that up. Oh, yeah. He knows that. Yeah. And that's the thing. He won't say that now because his legacy is still being written. You know? Did he save his legacy by going there winning the championship? Oh, 100%. Leave it again? 100%. I think the fans understood it much better this yeah. time. He delivered on a promise, which was something that most people never thought he'd be able to do in Cleveland, especially in the era. Of, uh, by then, you already had San Antonio. And you had some solid teams, Dallas. No, 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 because it was only been, what, three years ago since he won? So you already had Gold, yeah, they beat Golden State, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you already had some powerful teams out there. So, yeah, good for LeBron. Good yeah. luck, in, good luck, you know, in Hollywood. You look back at that, LeBron winning that championship, and how big Draymond Green's technical foul was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at that, it's just kind of crazy. Because I don't even think they get to game seven if Draymond Green plays game six. Yeah. Well, Draymond should hit him hard. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get suspended, go all out. Well, we'll come back and we'll wrap up. We did a lot. And I knew it was going to be very sports heavy, but I don't mind that. No, no. Uh, we got to talk a little bit of news, and we got to talk about 35-mile bridges and the Hulk in space and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Right. Well, thanks for coming by, Steve. Oh, you, you recorded all that? No, we didn't. Oh, we just started now. <laughs> oh, okay. We were Brad out. Yeah. Like, Brad yeah. hates politics. That's what a 10 minute politic conversation does to Brad. Yeah. Well, I was getting my thank you, man. Early, so. <laughs> when does this, when does this go up? We're recording right now. <clears throat> this is going to go up. No, it's okay. It's all good. Thank you for coming by. Uh, next week, we have Stephanie Gamble from Noah. Nice. So we're going to awesome. do uh, horror stories. Sure.
wreck stories. Not in horror, but it's Halloween theme. So, and then, um, yeah, and we're going to do it at the Noah building. Cool. So that'll be fun. And then, um, so that's that. Uh, what are you doing this weekend, Brad? Awful, because November's jam-packed with stuff. So I'm going to take a weekend off and do some yard work. But... What do you got going on this weekend, Steve? My wife is working, so I'll probably just poke around the house a little bit. And I work on Sunday, so I'll probably just do a little bit of college football and do my football thing on Sunday afternoon for a little while before I go to work. And pretty well, got a busy month coming uh, November, December, so... I uh, was supposed to go downstate to visit my daughter, but she called me and told me not to come. So oh, I don't nice know word. if I'm going out of state. I don't know. I didn't want to surprise her. No, no, I don't. <laughs> but you no, know, she pledged to her sorority, and now she's officially in. So she goes, "I am all booked up all weekend. You won't. If you you can come down, but you're only going to see me for a couple hours Sunday. That's cool, though. So, yeah, she's yeah, that's while, awesome. So. Yeah. So and then the next weekend is what's important. November third. What are we at? When I bred. Thunder Bay River costume run. Yeah. So that is going to be down at the fairgrounds. We hope that you guys, the listeners, you can register. Um, we have a building to keep warm. So it's yes. going to be cold. We already know that. So yes. we, we got the merchants building. We'll have coffee, hot cocoa there. Yep. So that way to warm you up. If you guys want to just do a one mile walk, you can. If you're feeling brave and sassy. There's a 5K. You can walk and run. And then a 10K-ish you can run. And if you want to um, dress up, you can. That's a courage because it is on the backside of Halloween. But if you don't want to, you don't have to either. So that'll be going on. And um, I'm sure we'll do our media tour next week to do the radios and all that stuff to talk about, hype it up. Great. So that's all I got. Thanks for coming by, Steve. No, dude. Thank you. Pleasure was all mine. I hope... uh, your listeners enjoy, and we'll have to get together and do this again All next right. year or Sounds something. Good. We can talk about a little bit something else. So. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thanks.